Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. If you have questions about our church or following Jesus, feel free to reach out to us at info at theplantchurch.org. Now, here's today's message. Um, I, Sue and I were just talking before service. I, I'm a, I feel a little feisty, agitated, pumped up. There's a lot of different words that I could use this morning. Um, we started a series last week uh, called One Another, and, and we're looking at many different uh, commands in the, in the New Testament, the letters to the church that some of the first leaders of the church wrote to the, the earliest church communities, people like you and I, and, and gave them things to in, in the midst of all these other teachings and instructions, we're giving them commands, like things like love one another, like we talked about last week. Uh, forgive one another, bear one another's burdens. We're gonna talk about one of those one another statements this morning in, in this series. Um, but I, I'm just gonna let the production crew know in the back, I, I might kind of change direction from my slides, I'm sorry. I don't normally do this, but... That's an accurate statement, right? I don't normally do this. Okay. I just want to say, I don't normally do this, and it's like you do this every week. But welcome. I'm sorry. This is not a normal way that I start a sermon, but I'm just a little, I'm just very aware uh, of some things God is doing in, in our community at the moment, and I, there's a lot of, there's always a lot of prayer, but there was, it just felt like there was a lot of extra prayer this week, and I think that would be appropriate since we're talking about praying for one another and confessing to one another this morning. Um, and so I think God kind of set us up for this a bit this, this week. Um, so why don't we do this? Could we turn in our Bibles to James chapter 5? We're going to read verses 13 through 18. And then um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit. I want to talk to you about praying for one another and confessing to one another. James writes this to the church. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human as we are. And yet, when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Don't get any ideas praying that prayer this morning. Then when he prayed again, the and the earth began to yield its crops. Let's pray. Jesus, as we have already been doing this morning, we just again uh, say that we are submitting ourselves to you. 
We're submitting ourselves under your lordship this morning. We're saying yes to you above everything else. Just as we were singing there, give me Jesus, we, we say that as a, and, and pray that and sing that as a, a, a word and a prayer of surrender to you, Lord Jesus, alone. And as we come before your word this morning, we ask, Lord Jesus, that you will teach us and instruct us, eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to respond to how your spirit is guiding us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I, I, like I said, I'm a bit feisty this morning. Um, uh, there, there's been, I've just been aware of some different things kind of happening, kind of on the down low. People aren't supposed to know about them uh, in the community. It just feels like there's a lot of spiritual warfare happening. Um, and uh, there's always a lot of that going on. But, but I felt in particular, and, and I was like, okay, maybe I'm making a big deal about this, that, that God was just really wanting me to pray this last week more than I usually do. You have those weeks where you just like, are like, oh yeah, I need to be in prayer. And then there's other weeks where I just, I just feel like, man, I need to be, to be praying. And, and sometimes when I pray, I don't know if this is how you feel. Um, sometimes I, I feel like I've got to really like get God's attention when I pray. Because I need to really make sure that he hears me. Anyone else feel like that sometimes when you're praying? Like, or like if you're praying, it's like your, your prayers kind of hit the ceiling and bounce back down. Anyone ever feel like that when they're praying? Anyone ever think that like, is this doing anything? I feel weird. Just me? You, you, you can respond to me. You can talk to me a little bit. Yes. We're friends here, right? I think I've met most of you. We're friends. It's okay. But so I was thinking about this. You remember the, the old Verizon commercial? from like 15 years ago maybe, uh, and the, the Verizon test guy is going around. Can you hear me now? Good. And then it's like him somewhere else. Can you hear me now? Good. And everywhere he went, no matter where he was, he was always heard by the person on the other end. And I mean, these commercials, he, he did, I looked it up this week. He, he, he did 20 to 40 commercial spots a year. And like, I mean, there's just tons and tons of these commercials. This was like ubiquitous. We, we all know who I'm talking about, right? Does anyone not know who I'm talking about? Not, do you really not know who I'm talking about? Okay, Dustin, we'll talk after. You're, not, you're, missing, you're missing a piece of, of culture. And, and, and ama- no, it's, it's fine. But anyway, so this guy was going around. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And I mean, he showed up in all kinds of places. He popped out of a sewer drain in the middle of a city. He was walking through a swamp. He was in a cornfield. He was in a desert at a festival. He was in the Arctic. Uh, he was out in the middle of nowhere in the Great Plains walking down a dirt road. He was on a beach at a bowling alley. He was on a bus with a guy sleeping on him. And, and he's just everywhere. Can you hear me now? Good. Can you hear me now? Good, and the whole point was we're working tirelessly at Verizon to make sure that you can always be heard. No matter where you go, we've got you covered. 
And they're always, we're always asking, can you hear us now? And the point, obviously, was what I just said, that, that Verizon was going to make sure that the person on the other end of the phone could hear you no matter what. And it's great. I, I looked up the commercial. He's using a little flip phone in these early commercials. That's how old these are now. I'm like, there's no way. There's no way they were using flip phones back then, all the way back then. Uh, but, but it got me thinking about this in relation to prayer. No matter the circumstances, just like this Verizon test guy, no matter, no matter the, the moment, no matter the circumstances, God hears you. God hears you. Yeah, that's, that's worth an amen. But I'm going to go a little further because God doesn't just hear you. He responds to you. This is the good news, and this is what's kind of implied in the backdrop of this passage that we just read, uh, that, that God responds no matter what you're facing, no matter what sin needs to be confessed, no matter what illness plagues you, no matter what obstacle is there, when you cry out to God, he hears you and responds. All Verizon can do is have the other person say, oh, I hear you. But God can actually respond to the cry of your heart. There's not a lot of other places you can go to get the cry of your heart responded to in the world, if any. I mean, you can go on DoorDash. Can you go on DoorDash in West Milford? Uber Eats? I'm not sure. I've never tried it, actually. But you can, you know, I can, I can call someone and they can respond with a pizza but beyond that, I'm not going to get much, much more than that. I, I, God is able to respond to us in a deep way. And, and so this is why, no matter what the issue is, no matter what the obstacle, James says to confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Because you are going to see God answer and respond to you. He will. He will. But th- this is, this is the, the challenge. This is what, this is what uh, my homiletics professor, preaching professor, used to call the fallen condition. The problem. The problem is we don't act like that's true a lot of times. I'll speak for myself. I'm not going to drag you off under the bus and throw you under the bus with me. You, could, you can speak for yourself. I don't always pray or confess in line with the truth that God is always going to. I, I find myself, maybe I can confess these sins, but I can't, that, that's too far. Like there's, you know, that's, that's too much. This is beyond what, what someone can handle and what God can forgive, right? Maybe this, this situation I can pray for, but this one is too little or this one's too big to bring before God. I don't want to bother him with that. Something kind of like right in the middle. Maybe, maybe I can bring to him certain issues that relate to my, my moral life, but you know, if it has to do with, with something that, that is just about uh, uh, this other, other thing going, maybe that's, that's just not important. You, you ever feel like that with God? We, we kind of censor our prayer life. We censor our confessional life. 
in terms of what is appropriate and not appropriate to bring to God. So, what I want to talk to you about this morning is this one simple phrase here. Because James is hammering this home. Listen, is any of you, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. If you're happy, you should sing praise. That's, a, that's an outflow. Praise is a form of prayer. Did you know that? We're singing songs of worship. We're praying. If you're happy, you should pray. God hears and responds. If you're suffering, you should pray. God hears and responds. Are you sick? You should pray. God hears and responds. Is there sin that you need to confess? You should confess it. That's prayer. God hears and responds. It doesn't matter what the situation you need to bring it to God. And he closes with this example of Elijah. Listen, Elijah is the story in, in 1 Kings, the end of 1 Kings. Elijah, he says, is a human, just like all of you. He wasn't made of some special substance. He didn't have some kind of special ability that the rest of us didn't have. He was a human, just like you and I. And it says that he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall. And no rain fell for three and a half years. And then when he prayed for rain to fall, the rain fell. Go check out the story because there's a lot that happens in between there. Uh, there there's this amazing thing that just shows how much we can trust that, that God hears. And I'll just give you it very briefly. Uh, Elijah has this showdown with these prophets of this false god, Baal. And there's 400 of these false prophets of Baal, and, and he's the only one there representing the true God, the one true God of, of Israel. And, and this story, he says, listen, you're going to come, and, and we're, we're going to set up two sacrifices on two altars, and we're going to each ask our God to call down fire on it. And whichever God answers is the true God. Whichever God responds is the true God. And this is so interesting to me. Not the, the, the reality that, guess, guess uh, spoiler alert, guess which God responds at the end. Uh, but here's what's the most interesting to me is the way that each of these two groups prayed. And we're gonna unpack this in a minute. The, the, the false prophets of Baal, they were screaming and dancing and yelping and, and cutting themselves and doing all of this stuff that was pretty normal the ancient world here. This is pretty normal ways to get your God's attention. Flail about, be over-emotional, just kind of, I'm just going to make noise for the sake of noise and hope someone hears me. It's like Jesus when he says, don't be assumed, don't assume that you're going to be heard by your many words like the Gentiles. That's not what earnest prayer is. And here, here's what happens is this all happens, and, and Elijah's kind of, he's a bit of a jerk, honestly. He, he's like mocking him. He's like, maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he went away on a long trip and he isn't back yet. Like he's just, he's just kind of goading them on and they just keep getting more and more. And it says when they were finally exhausted, they gave up. And that's a lot of times what I think we think prayer is like and, and what hearing God takes. I've got to like really like, I've got to put on my worship music and I've got to like drum this thing up really big and, and then God will finally but what Elijah does is he just simply comes up and he says, can you pour water over my altar seven times? He's gonna saturate the sacrifice with water actually to make it harder to burn. And then he just simply asks, Lord, we know you're real. 
answer your people. And fire falls and consumes. What is it like to trust? He didn't, he didn't get all hyped up. He didn't go over the top and have to set the right mood and get in the right frame of mind. He was just faithful to know that he served a God who didn't just hear but responded. So, to kind of borrow from our Verizon friends, we need to get on the same data plan as Elijah. One that doesn't just say, oh, yeah, well, I don't know if God heard me. Or, yeah, God, God heard. He's just kind of like, thanks, I'll take that under advisement. But God responds. God responds. And so because this is true, very simply, James says the three things. Confess your sins. Pray for each other. And then he, he says that, that together. Confess, pray for each other, with each other, to each other. So I just want to briefly talk about these three and highlight them. And I want you to hear all three of these. Confess your sins, pray for, to each other, for each other. These three pieces of this puzzle are all part of what it looks like to Act like, behave like God actually hears you. Are you with me? So let me just talk to you about what it looks like to confess your sins to. This statement, confessing your sins. How many of you ever have heard someone say, I've got a confession to make? I have a confession to make. And they, just want, they need to just get it out, get it off their chest, get it out of their system, Right? Very classic words. But this usually kind of carries an assumption that, that the goal of confession is primarily, primarily about making me feel better. Oh, I'm so glad I got that off my chest. I'm relieved now. Everything's good. We can move on. Confession is not therapy. Therapy is really helpful. can help you gain a lot of self-awareness. It's a really great tool to help you navigate in your emotional world, but confession is not therapy. Because in therapy, you just kind of talk it out, you get it out, you have someone, if they're a good therapist, asking questions to help you deeper reflect. And then maybe you take some action based on that. But what confession is, is about repairing relationship with God and with other people. Confession is admitting that you have been out of line with something. It's beyond just getting something off your chest. It's restorative. I, I was with uh, someone once who was uh, at, a, at a church I, I previously pastored, and, and they, they came to me, and they're like, I, I have to share someone. I've never, you know, this is really intense. I've got to share something. I've never shared this with anyone. And they wanted my assurance. They came from a Catholic background. They, they wanted my assurance. Like, you, you can't, like, share this with anyone, right? Like, this stays here. And I'm like, look, I'm not going to share your, you know, stuff in your life with other people. That's, that's for you to share. Um, but I was also kind of like, I, there's certain things that if, like, there certain kinds of legality things where I'm like, you know, you're going to leave me no choice here. Um, 
as other people could need to be protected and things like that. But anyway, he, he shared something that was really heavy. It wasn't like illegal per se, but it really seriously affected some people very close to him. And he's like, okay, so am I good now after he shared this? And I'm like, well, no, because I'm not the person you needed to confess that to. You need to... They're the one you need to repair something with here. No, 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 I can't do that. I can't, I can't do that. I'm like, well, you know, listen, I'm, I'm, this isn't for me to share, but like, if you want to restore this, you, you've got to do something different. So it's a confession versus therapy. They, they were expecting therapy. They were expecting to get something off their chest, but what confession is for is getting you to a place of restoration. So what are we confessing? What's the whole point here? What is James getting at? Confessing your sins. Confess, what, what does that look like? Here, here's what sin is and here's what sin does. Just assume with me, because we don't have time to unpack all the theology around this. Just assume with me for a, a minute that God is totally good and his will and his intentions are always good, right? He has no maliciousness about him and he creates this really perfect, well-ordered creation just out of his love extending from his love. He just loves it. It's good. It's well-ordered. It's, it's a safe, habitable environment. He makes animals. He makes humans to kind of take care of the whole thing. But sin, our disobedience, is something that starts to separate us from God because we start to violate his created order. I have certain things that I want you to do in this garden and, and certain things that you need to understand. This is how this works. This is how this doesn't work. God's the one who knows how this whole cosmos, whole universe thing works, not us. And so he, he says, this is what you gotta do. This is how you live well in this place I've made for you so you can live to the fullest of your potential and, and this whole thing is gonna function well. But then sin is what gets in the way of that. So sin is really anything that is violating or is outside of God's good created order. It violates our bodies. It violates others, people's bodies. It violates the creation. And what results from sin are things like James mentioned, sickness. Other, time, other places mentioned in the Bible, things that result from this are injustice, selfishness, greed, hungering for what the scriptures call the lust of the flesh, which is just like becoming hungry to fulfill our own self-focused desires. We start to perceive that these are good in and of themselves and I should just chase after this. And, and so what James is calling us to is confession out of those things that are not jiving with how God created this good world to function. Do you follow me? Right? So, so it's beyond just a set of moral ethics. It includes those things, but we ought to understand that, that it's part of something so much bigger. This beautiful world that God made is meant to work well together. And I mean, you just turn on the news for 10 seconds and you can see that like, there's a lot of sin in the world. There's a lot of disorder. There's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of greed. There's a lot of some bodies uh, taking over other bodies. And there's, and there's all sorts of mess in this. And what the church is called to be is a people that lives in resistance to that way and out of our own volition, lives a confessional life to one another. To say, I'm not going to live out of this anymore. I want to submit to Jesus and confess a different way of life. 
And, and what James says happens if some of you have sinned, pray and you'll be healed. What he's describing there is not all the time, but sometimes sin is actually what's causing the sickness. We're holistic beings in a holistic world. Just like stress can cause sickness, sin can cause sickness. I said can cause. I just want to be clear. If you're sick, it does not necessarily mean there's unconfessed sin in your life. But, you know, I've had people that I've I've spent time praying with. They have injuries and and things that have happened in their life. One one person I'm thinking of in particular, they they had a a specific uh, injury that they had incurred, and there was some unforgiveness and and attached to it with someone else. And and as we were praying one time, we just discerned that there there was this sin of unforgiveness that needed to be dealt with, and they were ready to go for it. I don't want to live with that. And they confessed their sin of unforgiveness. They released that person and forgave them, and they were healed like that. Like they had been carrying this injury for a couple years, and they were healed like that. They went to a checkup with their, with their um, medical profession. I don't know if it was a doctor or, or something like that. And um, they, they were just dumbfounded that the injury was just gone like that. Like they had just been in there the week before, and then it was just gone. Such a prayer offered in faith heals the sick person. If you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. That's what James is getting at here. The the sin of our lives creates and adds to the disorder that has been happening in creation since we rebelled against God. And confession of sins in the church is just giving witness to a different way that we can live. We can live well in, this, in God's created order, and we can live in freedom. We, we can live in and to our full potential as human beings. Do you know God created you to live in a freedom, in a peace of mind, in a sense of being free from guilt and condemnation, from feeling blame, from feeling shame, all these things. But we don't experience that often until we are willing to confess our sin to one another. I remember when I started to take confession of sin seriously. And and when I started to actually be really nitpicky about sin in my life, like nitpicky, like, oh, you know what? I said that this is what happened in that situation and it made me look a little bit better than was actually true. I need to go back to that person and accurately change that. It's a small thing. And when I started to like get really precise and specific with my confession of sin, because sin is always, a confession of sin is always specific. It's not general, like I'm a bad person or I've done a lot of things. It's always specific things that Jesus calls us to confess and repent of. I, I found myself, when I started doing that, living in a freedom and a peace of mind I did not know I could have. This is what a friend of mine often says, there is no peace without true surrender. And when I confess my sins, when you confess your sins, we come into a life of true surrender to God. And we're living free. We're living free. We're not hampered down by all of the stuff that I hope no one finds out about at some point. Not hampered down by lies I've believed about myself or about others. There is so much freedom, just like the person who got healed confessing their forgiveness. There is so much more freedom 
I think, than we realize we have access to in the church. And I wonder what would happen if we took seriously confessing our sins and said, man, I just want to get free. I want to be free. I want to live free from this kind of thing. And I don't want anything like sin to be affecting my health, to be affecting my life, to be affecting this well-ordered creation that God made. So James says we need to confess. Second, he says pray for. We need to pray for. And this is really simple. Like in the context of prayer, confession is just an outflow of prayer. We trust that when we confess, we trust that when we pray, God hears us. But I want to draw you just very quickly with this point to verse 16 when James says this, it is the earnest prayer of a righteous person that has great power. You see, when, when we are under the authority of unconfessed as influence in our life, this unconfessed sin, that actually compromises our authority to pray effectively. Do I need to say it again? Just for clarification. When we are not living a confessional life, we are allowing the enemy, we're allowing sin to compromise our ability to pray effectively. This is why James wants us to get free. Because so many, there's so many needs that we need to be in prayer for. But if we're stuck in our own sin, we've got to deal with that first before we can move forward. You all with me this morning? I know whenever we talk about sin, it's like the air goes out of the room. But do you hear my heart, man? I, I, I want you to be free. I'm not coming to you as someone who has not brutally like, gone after confessing my sin. My wife can tell you. Ask her sometime. You can tell them, whatever. It doesn't matter to me. I think I've pretty much shared everything from teaching anyway, so there's nothing hidden. But literally, like, can you imagine living a life where there is nothing in your life that is hidden? I'm going back to the confessional thing. But, but because of this, when you are a righteous person, a righteous, what that word means, it is a person who is in right standing with God and with other people. It is not just like, hey, me and God are good. It is also you are in right relationship with others. It works both vertically and horizontally. And when you're in this space of right relationship with God and doing everything that you are responsible for to have right relationship with others, because relationships are two ways, right? But you're doing what you are responsible for. That is a person who is righteous. And James says when you are living that way, your prayers are effective and powerful. I appreciate you this morning, Dustin. Even though you didn't remember who the Verizon guy was. <laughs> I love it. I just want to read that verse one more time. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces Wonderful results. Confession, prayer, these are both assumed in a world where God not only hears but responds. 
He forgives our sin when we confess. He responds with healing power for those that are sick. With those that need provision, he responds. With, for those that are in complicated circumstances, stressful circumstances, there is peace. His love is poured out. All of these things. He never, ever leaves you without some kind of response. It might not be the one you're looking for, but he never leaves you without a response. Not just hearing you. But all these things, confession and response, James is very clear. This doesn't happen in a vacuum. Not just I'm going to confess out loud. Okay, I did it. Or pray. There's this really key word or two words that get used. One another. One another. All of this, the confession of sins, uh, the prayer for, it all happens in the context of community. Just look around real quick to the people around you. Look around. Don't be scared. Come on. Look around at them. Make a little eye contact. Do something crazy today. Make some eye contact. It's like very un-New York, New Jersey of us to make eye contact. Confession and prayer exist in the context of community. You do not, I do not confess silently before God and we're all good. Just like my friend that I shared about earlier. We do not just pray on our own. Praying alone is good, but we're really also meant to pray for and with each other. Confession is probably the most intense one. Like sometimes the, the person you need to go directly to is not always a, a viable option. I recognize that. There might be sin against someone, like you need to confess unforgiveness, but that person is maybe not someone you can actually go to. Confess that, but you need to bring that to brothers or sisters that are in the Christian community. This is really important. It has to be other Christians that you confess to. Because when you confess to other Christians, it is as if Jesus himself is hearing your confession. This is what Jesus says, right? Where two or more, we keep coming back to this, are gathered in my name, there I am also in your midst. This is what Paul says in Ephesians, in the church, church exists the fullness of Christ. This is, this is the reality that, that you and I, this is why Jesus himself says, Forgive one another as I have forgiven you. It's all in the context of this. We are assumed to, we're going to start confessing sin to each other. I loved our life group last Sunday night. We just, we were, we we're talking about loving one another uh, from, from Steve Bailey's message last Sunday. How many of you loved his message last Sunday? It was awesome. It was so powerful. But then we had about like 20 of us around our table uh, talking. And, and towards the end, we just went back to Steve's reflection questions that he had us go through. And, and we were just confessing where we have not loved well to each other. And it was so good. It wasn't like big and complicated. Maybe it was for some people. But in our little group of three that, that was doing it, it, it was just so deep and releasing. But it was in this context of community. I, I want to read this from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who, who wrote a book called Life Together. 
If you want to know how to do radical community together, talk to a pastor who resisted the Nazi party in Germany throughout the 30s and 40s. That's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer did. And this is what he says. I'm going to read a longer, longer thing, and then the, the end of the quote will be up on the screen. But this is what Bonhoeffer says about confessing to each other. He says, why is it that it is often easier for us to confess our sins to God rather than to a brother or sister? God is holy and sinless. He is a just judge of evil and the enemy of all disobedience. But a brother is sinful as we are. He knows from his own experience the dark night of secret sin. Why should we not find it easier to go to a brother than to the holy God? But if we do, we must ask ourselves whether we have not often been deceiving ourselves with our confession of sin to God. Whether we have not, this is very important, whether we have not rather been confessing our sin to ourselves and also granting ourselves absolution. Who can give us the certainty that in the confession and the forgiveness of our sins, we are not dealing with ourselves, but with the living God? He's saying, how do we know that we're really forgiven if we just confess to God privately? God gives us this certainty through our brother. He's writing in the 30s, forgive him a little, and sister. Our brother breaks the circle of self-deception. Remember, this isn't therapy. Confession is deeper and it requires another. And then he says this, a man who confesses his sins in the presence of a brother knows that he is no longer alone with himself. He he experiences the presence of God in the reality of the other person. That's why Jesus said, forgive each other as I have forgiven you. My friends, If we are going to be a people who disrupts the way that this created, well-ordered world has been disrupted, if if we're going to come in and do something different in the midst of that, we're going to need to learn how to confess well. Not on our own, because that's what everyone right now does in the world, right? We're going to make our own decisions, be our own judge, jury, and executioner. And actually what God calls calls us to do is confess our sins, which submits us to Jesus's reign and his rule and his way of life. But also we're confessing one to another. And I'm now submitting myself to whoever I confess to. And I'm inviting them into, okay, we've got to work to restore you now. We've got to work towards how do we repair the damage this sin has caused. And we're doing this with the assumption that God hears and forgives well. So no matter where you are, no matter what you are facing, no matter what the challenge, no matter what the sickness, the sin, the struggle, or the circumstance When you ask, can you hear me now? You are not asking, can you hear me now, just alone, isolated in a room. You are asking with a people, with a community who's praying for you, who is hearing your confession of sin. And God is responding in and through them in the midst of that.
God hears the big and small things of life no matter where you are. He always hears you and responds to you. So we can boldly confess our sin to one another. And we can boldly pray for one another, trusting that he will respond. So as we prepare our hearts and examine ourselves in light of this scripture, uh, as we prepare to take communion and examine ourselves, I want to leave you on the screen with a couple of reflection questions. We're going to take a few moments in silence to, to just reflect before the Spirit Allow Jesus to help you answer these two simple questions. Has fear of vulnerability in community kept you from experiencing the presence of God in community? Has fear of putting yourself out there to either confess sin or to pray for someone in a a tough circumstance, has that fear of putting yourself out there in vulnerability and community, has that kept you from actually experiencing the very presence of God in community? And second, do you need to confess to or, or pray for one another right now? Is there someone you need to go to right now to confess or to pray to? So what we're going to do is is take just a moment and reflect on these two questions quietly. And then we're going to prepare to take communion. And we, we take these couple of moments to reflect and examine ourselves because of what the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11 regarding communion. He says that that is why you should examine yourself before eating and drinking the cup, the bread and the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many are weak and sick and some have even died. This whole thing is connected together. Our whole lives are connected together. So let's take seriously and examine ourselves for a moment before the Lord, before we take communion. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this podcast has been helpful for you to know Jesus and make him known, then check out our website for more sermons and other resources, theplantchurch.org.